0: Well, how is everyone doing this morning? We've been having technical difficulties all morning. Things just going haywire and just no idea what the source of it is yet. But hopefully, are we good and everything for recording, Adam? Awesome. Well, before we go further, let's just turn our eyes towards heaven. Father, right now, we just thank you for the gift of Jesus. And in this season, we celebrate Christmas. And of all the things we celebrate, let it be you, Jesus that we celebrate, and the gift that was given, and what you have done on our behalf. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you bore for us, and the work that you did that we could not do, and so right now we just set our eyes and our thoughts upon you, and Holy Spirit, as we we open your word this morning, we thank you that you take hold with us, that revelation wisdom just begins to flow to us. We thank you that we begin to see things to come. You bring things to our remembrance. You lead us in your paths of peace. You show us how to glorify the Father, oh, we just thank you for your goodness, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you never leave us, that you've come and made your home in us, and that so right now we can draw from the depths of all that you are, and we thank you for it, Lord. We get to choose our attitudes this morning. We get to choose our excitement levels. We get to choose what we'll put our eyes on and focus on this morning, and so we just focus on you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Well, you ready to jump right back into? Last week we started a new series called Everything Changed. And why did we call it that? Because literally everything changed between the cross and the throne. And if we're not aware of how things changed, what changed in you, what changed in heaven, we'll just begin to, to continue to live as we've always lived But when we get revelation of who God has made us to be and the depths of what is available to us and possible to us, it begins to change your perspective. It begins to change how you look at things because literally everything changed. And the enemy wants you to treat things like nothing has changed. You're the same old broke, busted, and disgusted person you were before Christ, but nothing could be further from the truth. You are a son and a daughter of Almighty God. You have been made one with Jesus. Everything changed. I love how John says it in 1 John that as he is, so are we in this world. In so much of Christianity, we put things off and be like, oh, yes, when we all get to heaven, how happy we'll be. You know, you don't have to wait till heaven. Heaven has already invaded earth. Wasn't that Jesus' prayer when the disciples said, teach us how to pray? He said, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus fulfilled the prayer. Heaven invaded earth. And the, the, the biggest disservice we could do is act. Like nothing changed Because everything did change And Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 how about That by revelation He made known to me the mystery As I have briefly written He's referring to when he mentioned it in chapter 1 But he says there was a mystery It's the word mysterion Which means that there was something That was hidden But it's no longer hidden The next verse he says by which When you read Let me just tilt this here a little bit so I can read it that when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. And so Paul said, there was a mystery. It's been revealed. I know what it is. And now my express purpose for writing to you right now is so that you will know my knowledge in it. I love that God is not hiding things from us. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe, it's in verse 7, it says that there was the hidden wisdom of God you know that it's not hidden anymore. And it was never hidden from you, it was hidden for you. You know, I think of it as the great Easter egg hunt. You know, around Easter we hide these eggs filled with candy and goodies for the kids and they go around the house and they're like standing up on top of the furniture so they can peek up on top of the fans. They're looking under the couches and then they find them and they open them and they're like, yes, this is awesome! You know, God loves his children the same way that he's hidden these things, these jewels of wisdom and revelation that when we see them in his word and we open them up, it brings us excitement, but it also brings him excitement and joy. And so Paul said that when you read this, you'll understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, meaning not the current one, in other ages Was not made known to the sons of man as it now has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. It has now been revealed. And here's what he says next, verse number six that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel what body are they talking about they're talking about the body of Jesus that we should be fellow heirs of the same body and that's why John can say as he is so are we because you are a fellow heir of that same body and it says and he wants us to know that we are partakers of his promise We told you last week that the word partakers is symetikos, meaning partaking together with one or a co-participant. Who are you co-participating with? Jesus. (laughs) And so we have to understand that all of the rules and possibility to whatever game you may find yourself in have changed. You now play as Jesus plays. And that you are to be a same partaker as he partakes so are you supposed to partake. And we said that in Second Peter chapter 1, it says, "'Grace and peace be multiplied to you "'in the knowledge of God and, our, and Jesus our Lord, "'as His divine power has given to us "'all things that pertain to life and godliness.'" through the knowledge of Him who called us to glory and virtue. And I love that verse, but the next verse is just as good. It says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. So hold on a second. Back in Ephesians, it says we're supposed to be partakers of those promises. And he says they're not just okay promises. They're exceedingly great promises, precious promises. And says that through your partaking of the promise... You might be partakers of the divine nature. Whose nature is the divine nature? The nature of God, the nature of Jesus. You were not supposed to continue to live as the Earthman Pete or the Earthman Craig. You have now begun a be- become a partaker of the divine nature. You have been made one with Jesus. If it changed the way he walks, it should change the way we walk. Because you are not pulling from a different set of rules. You are pulling from the divine nature of God that has been implanted in you. Jesus was sown so that he could receive back to him many sons and daughters. And so this word for partakers here is not the same one used in Ephesians. It's the word kinonos, which means to be a sharer in anything. What what are you sharing in? You're sharing in with what Jesus has. You can either choose to share in what you have now and what the earth has to offer, or you can share in what Jesus is currently partaking of. What is he partaking of? He's in heaven. He's surrounded in goodness. Let's think about heaven for a second. You know, I wasn't planning to go in this direction, but let's think of the goodness of heaven. Is there any pain in heaven right now? Is there any suffering in heaven right now? Is there any lack in heaven right now? Is there any disaster in heaven right now? Think of all the goodness and the peace And the joy. Jesus is currently right now in the presence of the Father. And it says in his presence is fullness of joy. So what atmosphere are you choosing to partake of this morning? Not just this morning. Tomorrow. Next week. Next month. Next year. What atmosphere are you choosing to pull from? Because as Christians, we currently stand with one foot in this natural world and one foot in heaven. And we get to choose which one writes the rules. And we have been called to partake and not just to spectate. Now, that's important for us to point out because so much of Christianity today is looking for someone else to do something. You don't need someone else. Jesus has already done all that was needed. That's why when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. What? Everything. You don't need someone else to come and die for you for your situation to get better. The only one that mattered already did that for you. When you look at your situation and you're like, I just feel like, I'm not, like I need to break through, guess what? Breakthrough has already broke through on your behalf. When you feel like you're surrounded in lack, you need to understand that provision has already provided all that you will never ever need to be provided. Isn't that what we already read in 1 Peter? That he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we can look each day with our natural faculties or we can look with heaven's eyes and choose to be a partaker of his nature and of his promise. I like what John 10 says. I never saw this before. It's talking about this whole series about being the, Jesus being our good shepherd. But in verse 9 it says, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, I would call that salvation, he will be saved. And it says, and he will go in, and out and find pasture. And as I was reading that, I realized that's activity. That's not us just sitting around. You can go in and out, you can use what the Good Shepherd has provided. It's not like you've just been zapped out of the world and just been like, now you're observing. No, we are participants. And it says in the next, it says the the thief doesn't come except for to steal and to kill and to destroy. You have to understand the enemy wants to kill your vision. He wants to destroy your dreams. He wants to take away all your opportunities. But he is not capable because it says Jesus has come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. And so we have to make a decision within ourselves. I choose to stop simply existing. I want to start living. Because there's being alive and then there's abundant life. And they are two different things. I don't merely choose to take up space in this earth. I choose to rule and reign with Christ as he has called me to. And that very word for life is the word zoe. And it means the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. Now think about this, someone who is filled with vitality or an animated person, I'll pick on Jess because she's downstairs. When you see Jess, you're like, oh, she is just so animated. She's like expressive. Yeah, you don't ever see someone and say, oh, that person is so animated. No, you say they're a bump on a log. And so when we're talking about the life of God, it fills you with vitality. It fills you with animation. It gives you expression. It gives you joy. It gives you energy. When we pull on the gift that God has given us, it pulls us up out of the muck and the mire and everything that tries to weigh us down, and it brings us up onto heavenly planes. And it's also defined as the absolute fullness of life both essential and ethical, which belongs to God. So it's not even life as this earth describes it. It's life as God experiences it. And he didn't say just have life. He said have it more abundantly. Last week we were looking at the story of Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and how he said what do I have to do to to obtain eternal life and Jesus said you must be born again and we know the story because it all culminates down to the most famous scripture that pretty much everyone in the entire world can quote and it's John 3 16 that says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that word I told you last week is Zoe Aionos, which means God quality of life, never ending, continually moving, always expressing, never stopping. And so when the love of God hit this world that we celebrate at this time of Christmas, of Jesus give, or God giving Jesus into this earth, he did it because of his love. And when his love radiated in this earth, it produced life unending. God quality of life. So we need to open up the eyes of our understanding to say, I don't want to live as just merely this human anymore. I want to live and partake of the divine nature that has been given to me because everything changed in that moment when Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave and rose victorious. And so last week we went through the second half of chapter 1 of Ephesians and chapter 2. And we told you in Ephesians 2.14, it says, for he himself is our peace. You realize you don't have to produce peace in any situation you find yourself in. He already is your peace. We can allow anxiety and stress to overwhelm us because you are unable to produce peace but peace has already surrounded you. Who, meaning referring to Jesus, has made both one, and he has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, basically everything that was speaking death against you, he killed it. And it says, so as to create in himself one man from the two thus making peace god took you and took jesus and went one and why is it so important that we know this because jesus hasn't changed how he operates what happened whenever jesus came on the scene people began to experience life and life unending. The dead were raised up. The sick were healed. Those who were burdened down were relieved of those burdens. He brought life to every situation. And you can do the same because you are with Jesus. And the great thing about it is it has nothing to do with how good you are. It's said in verse chapter 1, verse 19 that it was according to the working of His mighty power. It was all because of him, because he was wanting to set you up in a way that you could never do it on your own. He wanted to make it infallible because he knows that we are fallible. The first Adam screwed it up, so the second Adam fixed it so that would never happen again. It says, which he worked in Christ. That power was at work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come also. So he didn't even just deal with the time that we live in now. He dealt with every time that will ever exist because we have to understand we live with him for eternity forever ever and ever and ever I think this earth is just like a training ground he wants to see how we respond he wants to see how we act when we have to do it by faith and not by sight and it says and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church now Is that you who he's talking about? He gave him to be head over all things to the church. And if you read verse 22 by itself, you think, oh yeah, yeah, he's the head over the church. Oh yes, he's the boss. But then the next verse, which is right connected, you realize the verses, the numbers were added. They weren't in the original writings. The church, it says, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills all in all meaning he has a different perspective of you his body his church than most people in the church do he sees more possibility in you than you will ever see in you and that's why we say father i don't want to look with these natural eyes any longer let me see with your eyes Open my eyes to see. Isn't that what Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1? That the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That the lights would come on. When the lights are on, you see things differently. The other night I got up out of bed in the middle of night. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh, i got to go to the bathroom. And we started doing some rentals a while ago that are kind of like still not finished. And so I had cut the back wall out of our uh, out of our closet and so we can like squeeze through the clothes and go right through into the bathroom. And so I like, it's dark, I get up and I squeeze through and I like bang and I smash my shins right off of a kid's chair that wasn't there the day before but is now. And I fall over, I'm surprised I didn't wake up Robin at this point. And I'm like, what was that? And so I like find the wall and I flick the lights and I'm like, oh, all of the kids' chairs are now in this room. (laughs) How many things of the kingdom of God have been moved into your spiritual house that you don't know are there because we haven't turned the lights on to see the opportunity and the possibility that are given to us in Christ Jesus? So the church is his fullness of him that fills all in all. And it says, and he has raised us up together in chapter 2, verse 6. So Jesus isn't sitting up there beside God all by himself. When he made us one, he meant he made us one. And so he raised us up and he made us to sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So right now, where he is, so are you. That's why what he is, you can do. So what does that mean for us today? That's the question we left with last time. What does that mean for us today? That means we have to go through a perspective shift. We need to stop seeing in terms of lack of opportunity and begin to see things in terms of unlimited opportunity. Remember when Jesus found himself in the situation where he'd been out in the desert preaching to all these multitudes of people. And they said, the people are hungry. And Jesus said, you feed them. He didn't say send them away. The disciples did. Jesus said to them, you feed them. And they said, how? And Jesus said, what do you have? And we know they found what they had, and Jesus did something with what they had. Jesus will never ask you to do something with something you don't have. What you have in you and with you right now is what you need to take you to the next level. But most people look and say, but it's only a few loaves and some fishes, it's only the seed of the miracle waiting to happen because you are one with him. Everything changed. So with that in mind, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3 that we looked at a few weeks ago. And in verse 10, this is what Paul says about this whole topic we're talking about in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and the first part of 3. He says, God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety. The reason why he empowered you, raised you up, completely changed your nature is because he wants to use you. Because rather than having one Jesus on this earth, as they did for those 33 short years, He how has millions with the same resources at their back, the same abilities, the same ability to pull from the wisdom and the power of God. What's better than one Jesus? Millions of them. And the whole reason he did it is so that he could use you to display his wisdom to everyone else. I find that miracles are contagious. Isn't that right, Pete? In verse number 11, it says, this was his eternal plan, which was carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Then he takes a turn, he says, so so don't lose heart because of, of my trials here. You realize Paul's life wasn't always rosy. But you know, he knew that going into it. When Ananias was sent to bring his eyesight back, God told Ananias, I need you to go tell Paul all the things that he must suffer for my name's sake. He suffered a lot so that others didn't have to in the same way. He pushed through into all those regions to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who had never heard so that others could have an easier one right after him. And he says, so don't don't lose heart because you see what I'm going through here. Don't make my trials the focus. And how many people have met someone who their problems are all their focus? Robin was telling me she was in Dollarama the other day and she was behind a lady who was saying, you know, I've kind of gotten used and I kind of liked being miserable. I said, what? She said, yeah, the lady literally said, I've gotten used to, and I kind of like, being miserable. What you tolerate, you allow to contaminate. So Paul says, when I think of all these things, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, And I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And so Paul is saying, there's the power that raised Christ from the dead, but don't just let it be a dead power, let it be the power that now flows through you from your inner man. And it says, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him, and your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is, and may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, I really don't like how the New Living Translation renders this, because it says, then you will be made complete. That's in a complete contradiction to what Paul told the Colossians, that you are complete in him. You are not missing anything. He's got to you what you need. And so after all of that, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. So I have to ask the question, how big are you asking and how big are you thinking? Because perspective needs to shift. We need to think in terms of possibility, opportunity, and in terms that power is actually flowing to us. When you hear of the sick being around you, do you think, oh, that's just so bad, oh, it's too bad, oh, I really feel bad for you that you're pain," or can you go, do you mind if I lay hands on you? I believe in a God that heals. When we think in terms of opportunity, opportunity finds us. It says, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. To all generations forever and ever. You may not have lived in Paul's generation, but he wasn't just talking to his generation. To all generation forever and ever. Do you know what amen means? So be it. Forever and ever, it didn't miss you. Now, we could almost think that Paul was wrapping up his thought. But as you read the letters of Paul, you realize he does not possess that ability. An English teacher would say, Paul, you need to use a period. You need to use a comma and stop writing these long, run-on sentences. And so it seems like he's wrapped up his thought. But then the next verse says, I therefore, I, because of everything I've just said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you or I call you to walk worthy of the calling of which you were called. Meaning Paul is saying, because of everything I just said for three chapters, change the way you walk. And what was he telling you to do? I love diving into the Greek and seeing what the words actually mean. The word walk is the word parapateo, which means to make one's way to progress or to make due use of opportunities. Paul's saying, use the opportunities. I like what Oral Roberts said and Jerry Sevel says it too. Every day, opportunities are passing you by. Which one will you grab to take you to the next place? saying, make due use of opportunities. The word worthy is just axios, and it means in a manner worthy of, or walk as you're supposed to walk because of who you are. And it says, walk worthy of the calling. The word calling is the word klesis, which just means a call or an invitation. And it's used in two ways in the New Testament. The first one is you get an invitation to a feast. The second invitation we find in the New Testament is you have been invited to partake of the divine invitation to embrace salvation. Now, it's important to note, Paul is talking to believers. So he's not talking about you getting saved. He's talking about what you do after that you can embrace the moment of salvation but live a life without ever accessing what it brought. And he's saying, use the opportunities and walk in what salvation brought you. And so we begin to say things like this. In this moment, I will respond based upon the nature I've been given rather than the fear I may feel. And in every situation we walk into, we feel an array of emotions I'm not up to the task. Or maybe it's, I can handle this. But whatever way you choose to respond, let it be out of the nature you've been asked to partake in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this in verse 7 But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure is he talking about? God got inside you. And that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And then Paul says in verse 8 that we're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, meaning we got problems, but they don't dictate us. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And so Paul goes through several different pressures, And says, they're there, but we don't choose to respond from them. You know what the next verse says? He says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what was written, I have believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. So Paul's saying, there's problems, yes, but I will respond by faith, and I will speak God's words in them. And it says, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Meaning Paul's saying, yeah, there's problems, but I'm going through. Because just as he raised up Jesus out of the ultimate problem of death, hell, and the grave, he'll also raise you up as you respond with a spirit of faith. And he says, for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. So therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. What's he saying? He's talking about those two kingdoms you stand in. Problems on this side. Heaven on this side this one's under attack this one there's nothing that can stop it so Paul was very much present minded about the two kingdoms he was standing in and choosing which one he would respond from he says for our light affliction is but for a moment when I think about what Paul went through I wouldn't call it light affliction We're talking about a guy who was beaten to within an inch of his life on multiple occasions. He was actually stoned to death and they raised him from the dead. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was imprisoned multiple times. But he says, it's okay. That was just a light affliction, which is but for a moment. And it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Which kingdom do you see with your natural eyes? That would be the physical one. Paul says, that's just temporary. These are eternal. Which one do you want active in your life? So back to chapter four of Ephesians. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. He says, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering and bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, for there is one body. You and Him were made one. There's one Spirit, and He came and made His home in you, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. We've been called to partake, not to spectate, because God has invaded every facet of your life and is saying, just let me at it. Let me go. Let me do it. Just believe me a little bit that there's something that can change right now. Just believe me when I say that you are more than what you're looking at right now. Believe me when I say there is opportunity for you. Believe me when you, and I say you don't have to stay with this pain any longer. You don't have to stay with this lack any longer. Believe me. The Spirit of God within you is saying, let me at it. Because we have been called to partake and not spectate in this life. As I wrote that down, I couldn't help but think of one thing coming out of my heart. I'm up to the task. So are you. Everything has changed. So, Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the transformation that went on that we couldn't see with our natural eyes when we received you into our lives. But as Paul said, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and all the new has come. And so, Father, we ask right now that we be able to see with your eyes, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know what is the hope of your calling, what you have called us to, Father, We thank you that there is nothing, nothing that can touch the work you've done. And so I choose to look from heavenly positions and I choose to let the power of heaven work in my life. And that I'm transformed from glory to glory to glory as I behold you. Maybe you've been watching us this morning via the internet and you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. The moment you open your heart to receive him, he go, you go through that transformation. Everything changes and you begin to walk in those things which we were talking about this morning. And I don't want you to wait another moment. I want you to pray with us right here in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, right now I receive the gift of Jesus. I thank you that you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I let you transform me into all that you purchased for me. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer this morning with us, I want you to get in contact with us so we can get you hooked up with a good church in your area and get some resources in your hand. But guys, I want those words stick with you as we go through this holiday season. Everything changed. What needs to change in your perspective now? You are more than meets the eye, and you are loved by Almighty God. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you all soon.